Warning, this episode contains adult language, mature situations, comatose paraplegic Vietnam veterans, blonde-haired New York gang leaders, evil crime bosses with very unusual tastes, awkward shonen eye romances, horrific gang violence, iconic New York scenes, and mysterious mind-controlling drugs. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 318. Vietnam Vets and Drug Conspiracies in 1980s New York. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Spark and Mong Review. Some podcasts very reviews back to Anchor Nancy Narratives. It's your host Zan saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Yes, we are back for another fun-filled episode. And more importantly, we're back for the last episode we're going to be having before that one. Not only Anime Next in Atlantic City. I'm kind of excited for this because we have several panels going on, but... Before we get into all that news, let's get to the basics, shall we? If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Spirekin is a podcast that provides informative reviews about connected enhanced narratives. Pretty much what that means is every episode we talk about one or two titles, depending on the show you're listening to. Since you're listening to the manga review, obviously we talk about mangas. If you're listening to the motion picture review, motion pictures and movies, game review, different games, so on and so forth. And we tell you the pros and cons about it. How the art style is, the characters are, the motivation, the design work, and if it's worth investing your time in or not. You have to agree with anything that I and my co-hosts say, but we try to be educational, enlightening, entertaining, and most importantly, explaining. So we set up our situation and we tell you the best we can do. If you want to listen to any of our earlier episodes, and we've done over 300 of them over the last 11 years, you can check them out at www.spireken.com. That's S-P-I-R-A-K-E-N. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and other social media sites. Just type in Spirekin and I guarantee you'll find us in one place or another. So now that all that is out of the way, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, you can also email us at zan, that's X-A-N, at Spirekin.com or Spirekin at gmail.com or just direct message us. And if you're following us on Instagram, we're going to be having a really cool event this summer. We're going to start it now. We're going to end it in August. What happens is that we want you to tag us with your favorite manga. And the person who has the coolest manga that we've never heard of, we're going to send them a really cool prize. So we'll talk about that throughout the next couple of episodes. So as I was saying a little bit earlier, we are going to be at Anime Next 2019 in Atlantic City, New Jersey at the Atlantic City Sheridan Convention Center. We're excited for that. From the 7th through the 9th, we're going to be doing a bunch of really awesome panels. We've got some cool interviews and we've got a lot going on. Now, if you want to check out our panels, first off, we have... At 12.30 on Friday in room 304, 22 modern manga recommendations for grown-ups. That's our recommendation panel, which we've done for so long. We tried it to be as awesome as it can be. We have May I See the Wine List, Liquor in Manga and Anime at 8 p.m. in room 304. And then the last one on Friday is going to be Gaijin, Foreigners in Anime Manga at 10.30 p.m. in room 310. Now on Saturday the 8th, we have two really awesome panels, and hopefully you show up because we're giving away a bunch of manga. In the first one, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Insane Manga Challenge 9. Everything but the kitchen sink. And that is at 115 in room 304. Finally, our last panel at Anime Next is going to be from Under the Bed Modern Horror in Anime and Manga at 11 p.m. in room 303. We've got some really cool titles, and we're using a new design for some of the panels. We're actually using Prezi as opposed to my usual uh, LibreOffice Impress. So hopefully this looks really good because it's a $200 program. We're going to find out what's happening. So hope to see you guys there. And uh, Greta and I will be cosplaying, maybe. Maybe not. We're still debating on it. We have one day to figure it out. So 
now that the concept's out of the way, let's get to our review schedule, shall we? Because as you know, we talk about the latest reviews that are and latest releases that are coming out for the week. Now, for the 4th of June, we've got some very cool titles coming out, including the last volume of one series that we reviewed and I really enjoyed. So, from the releases, we have After the Rain, Volume 4 from Vertical. We have Ao Haru Ride, Volume 5. Boruto, Naruto Next Generation, Volume 6. Classroom, Volume 1. Dokuse. Creature Girls, A Field Journal in Another World, Volume 1. And also Creature Girls, A Hands-On Field Journal in Another World, Volume 1. Two different mangas. Uh, Division Manual, The Light Novel, Volume 1. You have the complete box set for not just Dragon Ball, but Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z by Akira Toriyama. If you have a lot of money and you like Dragon Ball, check it out. We reviewed this all the way back in like episode 13 of the manga podcast, so check it out there. Uh, we have Eden Zero number 3 coming out. Uh, Shugeki no Soma or Food Wars Volume 30 coming out. I think we're almost done. I think that's the last volume, maybe. Not sure. My Hero Academia Volume 19 is coming out. Made in Abyss Volume 6. The Omnibus Edition of One Piece Volume 28 is coming out. Queen's Quality Volume 7. Seraph of the End Volume 17. And the next one breaks my heart because it is the final volume, supposedly. Sweetness and Lightning Volume 12. We finally get to see the end of our Sumugi and her love of cooking. Maybe? Or maybe we'll have more. Who knows? We have Takane and Haru Volume 9. Or sorry. Takane and Hana, Volume 9. The Promised Neverland, Volume 10. Boku Ben, or We Never Learn, Volume 4. That's really a fun series. It's got a little bit of a twist on it. Hopefully we'll be able to review it sometime soon. I really do. I'm excited for it. And then Yona of the Dawn, Volume 18. So it's kind of a packed schedule. It's also the beginning of June, so it kind of makes sense that you're going to throw as much as you can in the beginning, so it's all set. Right? Or is that that incorrect? Uh, are any of these you guys interested in buying? For me personally, the ones I'm want to buy definitely last sweetness and lightning definitely promise neverland boku ben we never learn definitely maiden abyss i'm kind of on the fence about haven't read it yet haven't watched the anime yet i'm intrigued though and then after the rain i've been really enjoying because it's such a very strange story um greta likes the anime i haven't watched it yet i'm too busy working on other animes but we'll hopefully get to watch it and then actually do a cool review about it but Speaking of reviews, let's get to the part you've all been waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the review of the episode, shall we? So, if you remember from the last episode, we spun that one, that only, the Wheel of Manga. It dictated us to be reviewing a manga that was written by Akimi Yoshida all the way back in the far distant year of 1985. Yes, this came out May 1985 through April 1999, and there's 19 volumes. It was originally published by Shoga Kuken, and it was brought over here by Viz Media. Now, here is the crazy part. This series, which is super violent and super crazy and looks really like 80s style, is a shoujo. It was marketed over here in Pulp Magazine and America Extra as a Senin series, but it is actually a shoujo series. Uh, it is a tragedy crime thriller series, and it is known simply as Banana Fish. Now, a lot of you have been hearing about Banana Fish since the anime came out by Studio Mappa. And actually, they're going to be at Anime Next. I'm excited to get to talk to them to get their opinion on some of the things they did with it. So, I'm really excited about that. And, well, first off, beforehand, people are wondering, what the fuck is Banana Fish? What is it? And that is actually the crux of the story. The crux of the story is Banana Fish is a MacGuffin in the series, which I don't want to go too far into spoiling. But, the original 
term banafish came from a story by J.D. Salinger, the guy who made Catcher in the Rye, all those conspiracy nuts, and a perfect story called A Perfect Day for Banana Fish, which is the story of a mom who brings her son home who is a paraplegic and he's completely crazy because of reasons. And at the end of the book, a lot of stuff happens, but at the end of the story, he blows his brains out. And this is very similar to one of the main characters in Banana Fish and how it starts off. Because the first character we're introduced to is a paraplegic at the end of the series. And what do I mean by that? So, Banana Fish starts out in 1973 in the Vietnam War. And you got a bunch of guys who are reminiscing about going home because like most war stories you have you know it's the downtime charlie hasn't shown up yet you're trying to relax trying to get your head together you're like you're gonna go home everything's gonna be great you know you got this girl waiting for you all those tripes and tropes and one of the guys there is max now max is a big burly guy he's one of the two members and he's talking to his friends and they're looking for their friend griffin because he went to take a piss and griffin comes back and he's like oh griffin what's up griffin screams pulls out a M16 and starts shooting his own platoon and his own squadron. He's completely crazy, shooting them, shooting them, shooting them, shooting them. And Max, his friend, his best friend in the world, the person who would take a bullet for him, has to, after trying to convince his friend not getting anywhere, shoots him in the legs. And this kind of gets him to calm down. He gets shot. He falls over. Max goes to Griffin. He's like, Griffin, you okay? You okay, buddy? You okay, buddy? And the only thing he says is... Banana fish. And then we jump ahead. 11 years. It's now 1984. Well, like I said, the series is 85, but it's 84. And we are in New York. New York City. The awesomeness it is New York City. And we're following our main character, Ash Lynx, the leader of a New York gang that is set around 140th through 156th Street. So they're in the Bronx. And he is he's, he's, he's this young, charismatic leader that is walking in his neighborhood and he sees a guy stumble towards him. Guy's bleeding. Obviously, he's been shot. He goes to him, grabs his hand, and says, Listen, he gives him an address in California. He's like, Help me! Uh... Zubba 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 California, Los Angeles. Gives him an address, puts something in his hand, and then he says, Banana fish. And then he dies. And as he's sitting there trying to figure out what's going on, two of his subordinates show up chasing this guy. He's like, what the fuck is this? Uh, we were just taking care of something for, 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 for Papa Dino. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You, you know the rules. Don't do this. What the fuck's going on? He ends up braiding his crew, these two members of his crew. He says, I'll be back. Get the fuck out of here. I'll see you guys later. He takes the thing. The guy's dead. And he ends up walking to his, to this kingpin in Union Course. We're talking about Papadino Folzine. This very powerful mob boss who lives in Kingsbridge Armory in the Bronx. And he's like the Don. He's the boss. And Ash and him have a kind of relationship going on because originally Ash was kind of, well, let's be honest. Ash was his sex slave. He was a person, Papadino, like fucking Ash. He also was his adopted father. And Papadino likes Ash. He's been tr- cultivating him and training him to be his successor. He wants him to be his heir. 
And Ash really doesn't want anything to do with this guy. He's just kind of creepy, and he brings up, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, why are you messing with my crew? Why are you giving them orders when it's my job to do, to do this? You, The deal was that I can control the turf however I want to, and we don't have to be your little murder men. And Papadino's just like, well, listen, no one usually talks about this, but you can because I have a soft spot for you, sweetie. You're my favorite person. I'm going to tell you what's going on. We just had a little bit of a hiccup. It's a, it's a little rat. Nothing important. Not going to cause any problems. Don't worry about it. Just you, 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 you just ignore it. Everything will be fine. You're too good for this. You don't need to be a little, little crappy uh, gang boss. You could be so much more. You know, you come home and everything will be good. Obviously, Ash is like, "Fuck this! I'm not gonna." I'm not going to deal with this. I don't need this creepy, crazy shit. I'm going home. So he goes home, visits his his good friend, who is a total racial stereotype. And we're talking about Skip, who's this African-American boy who lives in Ash's apartment. And he's he's his friend. He's like he's the guy that everyone likes. He's a little gopher guy. And he's a member of Ash's gang. And he's been taking care of Ash's big brother while Ash is away. Now, who's Ash's big brother? It's Griffin. And Griffin is now, it's been 11 years. He's in a wheelchair. None of the lights are going on. He mutters banana fish occasionally, but he's just sitting there. He's completely comatose. And Ash is now trying to figure out what is banana fish and what's going on. Meanwhile, while this is happening, and you have also Papadino, uh, the police department has gotten... A message from one of their former agents, Max Lobo. He has two people from Japan coming in to cover a story about street gangs. Apparently the journalist knew Max and they made some sort of agreement and he came there to see Max. So this guy, Shunichi Ibe and his assistant, Eiji Okamura, are there to meet Max and they're going to find out about different uh, gangs and the culture in New York. Now the thing is that Eiji, everyone says, oh Eiji, you're... Oh, this is your son, right? I be, and it's not. It's his. It's his nineteen-year-old college student assistant who looks like a little kid because aging and whatnot. So they're there. They're gonna end up talking to different groups. They go there to see Max. They get to the precinct and they say, "Oh, where's Max?" It's like, "Uh, listen, Max got arrested. He's currently in prison." Wait, what? Apparently, Max is in the middle of a divorce and he assaulted a police officer because his. His soon-to-be ex-wife and him had an altercation. A cop showed up, and apparently there was something that happened. So Max is now in prison. But the precinct is going to take care of A.G., or we'll call him Edge, and Iba, and they'll hook him up with a gang that's going to help him out. Now, this gang that they're talking about is Ash's gang. And speaking of Ash's gang, we didn't talk about what happened with the two guys who killed the mysterious figure who died in the beginning. Well, they're made an example of. Ash pulls out his Smith & Wesson, and... Pretty much scares them away, and he says, "You not, you don't do what other people say. You do what I do. You don't do what Dino says. We're better than that, right?" And he talks to one of his lieutenants, Arthur, and Arthur's like, "Yeah, that's what we do." The minute that Ash leaves, Arthur immediately starts plotting. Now, Arthur, Frederick Arthur, got in a fight with Ash years ago, and now he can only use a knife. His f- gun finger was kind of cut; the tendons were cut, so he can't hold a gun. So he hates Ash. He wants to usurp him. And so you have this going on. You have Papadino, who now finds out that 
apparently the guy died on Ash's turf and he stole something from a lab and they need it back. And apparently the last person he talked to was Ash. So he has Ash picked up. Ash is brought back to Papadino's house and he says, hey, so that guy that you talking about, you saw him? It's like, yeah, I did. What did, he, what did he say to you? He said, help me. Did he give you anything? No, he didn't give me anything. You sure? I'm sure about it. Don't worry about it. I tell you if he did. He walks away. Papa just like, he gave him something. He knows. So they're going to get, find out what happened and what Ash knows. And because Ash is a lynx, as they call him, they're going to first teach him a lesson. They can't kill him because Papadino likes him a lot. So one of his subordinates, who's this really gay, creepy guy, and I mean gay literally, like he wants to rape Ash. And apparently he used to rape Ash. It's a whole thing where when Ash was younger, he was a... Like, they made videotapes about him, and this guy was the primary assaulter. Uh, is going to be the enforcer, is going to deal with this. Whole altercation occurs. AG and uh, eBay show up at the club. They're, they meet Skip. Skip brings them down there. He introduces them to this group. All's well. Ash is fine. Ash and AG kind of have a weird rapport going on because. AG thinks age the kid, it's sort of like he's older than him because he's 19, not 17, but he's very sweet. And suddenly Arthur's crew comes in and kidnaps Skip and Age. Ash goes after them. He goes there. He gets to them, and Arthur's like, Unless you want your little friend to die, take your, uh, drop your gun, you're done. Whole fight happens thing happens. Skip, unfortunately, really cool character, very charismatic, dies. And Ash is framed for the murder of this guy who was going to rape him. He comes back, he's chasing after the guy, he's going to stop him, gets his apartment, the guy's dead, with a gun in his hand. And the gun is Ash's gun. So his fingerprints are on there, even though he didn't shoot him. And the cops are there. Well, the cops are corrupt anyway, because they're working for Papadino. And he ends up in the same cell as Max. And now they're trying to figure out what's going on with this banana fish. What is banana fish? Apparently it's a drug that controls people. But where does it go? What happens? This is a very unique crime drama that focuses on some very interesting aspects. It focuses on, besides the whole chemical aspect, besides the whole hierarchy, it also focuses on Ash's relationship with Age, because Age and him have a thing going on. Now, unlike most most uh, Yaoi series where it's, uh, you know, it's hard driving, pounding, and rape fantasy is a big deal, this series doesn't focus on that. It's focusing on Ash and Age's relationship being more about the struggles they face together, not the sex, not the sex, not the physical aspect of the relationship. And it's kind of romantic in a weird sort of way, even though it's kind of rough. And the thing is, the series was identified as, according to uh, Fred Schultz, he said that this is one of the few girls manga a red-blooded Japanese male adult could admit to reading without blushing because it has that more violent series and it doesn't emphasize on... Yeah. It doesn't emphasize on the screwed up... The, the more vicious parts about it. It does focus that the acts of sex are violent and they're rape. 
and it's universally negative and traumatic. It's not a happy thing, and that I kind of like about it. I do like about it. Uh, what else? This does take place in 1980s New York, so it's not as clean as it is, and while a lot of the areas are similar, it has this very grungy, grimy vibe to it. A corrupt vibe, which, as someone who used to live in New York, it's no longer there, but it's kind of refreshing to see that take on it. I've got to love that. I really do like that. And there's so many other characters we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, there's Shorter, who is the Chinese-American gang leader who controls Chinatown, who's like uh, Ash's best friend, who helps him out. He also steals a motorcycle. You have uh, a lot of people who create the banana fish, and that whole thing where apparently it was formerly LSD, and it's not. Uh, you have KGB members. You have mercenaries, French Foreign Legion members. You have people who are trying to usurp positions from other people. It is a multi-layered crime drama that is fascinating. And it's a little... Uh, how can I say this nicely? It's not triggering, but it's rough. It is, it's a little rough around the edges with the focusing on the sex part. But it does it in a... How do I... I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. It's... Eh, I can't... Uh, I'm kind of stuck on it. I'm really stuck on it. But anyway. It's in Je ne sais quoi. I can't say. Art style is 1980s-tastic. It is very... You could tell it was drawn. It wasn't computer drawn. It was actually hand drawn. You could tell. Looks a little grainy. Looks a little dark. I do like that. I love the design of the characters. All the characters are based on real people, which I did find fascinating and fun. Like Ash is based off of Stephen Edberg and River Phoenix. And Max Lobo, he was designed after Harrison Ford. That's pretty cool. And you could tell some of the bits of him being young Harrison Ford. Like him in uh, American Graffiti and the first version of... Han Solo. You could see it in some of the scenes. I've seen a couple of episodes of the new anime, and they make him look more pudgy and more kind of silly. But you could still feel that emphasis of it, that setting of it. Um, what am I got? Well, I'm trying to think of what else. It like this is such a weird series because it doesn't. It's it's a shojo, but it doesn't feel like a shojo. It totally feels like a seinen series. It feels like a really weird seinen series, and it. I can't put my finger on on why it's why it do, it's able to do this. It's I don't know if it's because the story is so compelling, if it's so diverse, because it's the crime aspect, and then you have the romance is kind of hidden under there. It's kind of like a secret thing. I don't know. You guys, let me know. What do you? Why do you think that this series was able to transcend the shojo to? Shoujo genre to become an all-encompassing for everybody who's an adult. I wonder, why do you think that is? Curious. And where do you think it's going to go? I made it three volumes in, and it's gotten very convoluted at that point. It's gotten to where Ash is in prison, and stuff happens, and he finds out that Max is actually his, his brother's former... Uh, platoon member and they were friends and he hates Ash now and also Papa Dino has hired someone to find out the information in the prison without him knowing about it 
So we're going to see where that goes later on, if I continue this. I don't know if I am. I'm going to have to give this a... Well, I'll give it a... Yeah. Really, really, really fucking cool. I mean, I'm not going to read it again, but it's... Well, no, I'm going to just... Yeah, I'll just say it. Not really, really fucking cool. I'm going to give it a borrow from a friend. I know I've been using that a lot. Hopefully the next one will not be borrow from a friend. Hopefully it'll be something a little better. We'll see. But uh, this is definitely a borrow from a friend. Don't return unless offered Pocky. It's really intriguing, really good. Uh, it was released by Viz. I think there's still a legitimate release you could find in various places. Uh, don't know if there's a digital, legitimate digital release from Viz, but you can find it if you know where to look. The new anime series... They've updated some aspects and they've cleaned up some other aspects. Like Ash looks a little more shoujo-y as opposed to him looking kind of grimy and weird. Like looking almost like a, a cure extra. <laughs> he does look like a cure extra a little bit in the first volume. They changing evolves to look a little better, but first he looks kind of rough. But they update the technology so the motorcycles aren't just regular. They're the modern motorcycles. You have the new cell phone aspect. And it looks like a better series in general. It does focus on some of the more intriguing aspects of the series and more modern parts of New York. It does show uh, Freedom Tower. It does show the highlights. And that's something which I should bring up is I love the fact that they used actual locations in New York that I know about that I was raised by. Because I was raised in the Bronx. And I know like all these little areas. Like I know 149th Street. I know the near the restaurant where they have depicted the club where Ash and his gang hang out. I know Kingsbridge Armory. I know the precinct that it's set up in. So I gotta say it was it's an enjoyable read. It just I don't know. It could be more. That's why I'm dropping it down. It just I don't know. I don't think I could read this again. I think I love the extensive Action sequences, the heavy dialogue, and the dense plot is very intriguing to me. I just, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not, like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I don't know. Oh, no, I know. It just, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Like, the scenes that are tough are supposed to be tough, and that's really cool, but it's tough to get through. So, yeah, that's what I will say. That works. Um, if you disagree with me, um... Email me, uh, zanspirekin.com, or comment in the show notes on the website. Let me know what you think, why you think this is a series that's, that is worth a really, really, really fucking cool. Or the reverse side, why you think that this series is not worth, really, really is not worth borrow from a friend. If you think it's worse, if it's, uh, give from a crazy at mirror, okay, but forgettable. Tell me why you, what you think about this. And our random question of the day is going to be, what city would you want to see depicted that you know in an anime series to this level or manga series where it's this faithfully recreated where you see actual locations i'm curious what you would think let me know zanspocker.com i'll read them on the show notes in a couple weeks uh yeah so i should be hurrying up and getting done because i've got to finish packing for the con so remember you can check out any of our other episodes www.zanspocker.com you can email me personally zanspocker.com Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Just type in Spark and you'll find us. We're also on YouTube. If you want to listen to the videos on there, we're going to actually be putting some video content eventually once I can get an actual charger that works for my phone and camera. But I digress. So let's get to the part you've all been waiting for. What am I talking about? I'm talking about that one, that only, 
Yes, friends, the Wheel of Manga, except no substitute. What is the Wheel of Manga? The Wheel of Manga is a Wheel of Fortune with 10 slots on it. What I've done is I've assigned a manga to each of the slots. So I'm going to do is I'm going to spin the wheel, whatever number it lands on. The manga that that's corresponding to is what I'm going to read the next episode. And we've got some fun titles and some weird titles and some titles which are what the fuck. Uh, we have a bunch of Monster Girl titles. We have one title about acupuncture and one which is a sequel to a manga we talked about earlier. So let's spin and see what we're going to review. There we go. Number nine. Cool. Hmm. So in the next episode, I'm going to read another Izekai story. But this one's different because it's an Izekai story involving a character from another series we've talked about earlier. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Ride on King. Now, what is the Ride on King about? Well, it is an Izekai based on a manga that we talked about earlier. We'll talk about that more next episode. So with that in mind, hope you guys have a great week. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Hope to see you at anime next and any other combat. And remember, keep reading manga. This is your host, Zan. I'm going to go. Catch you guys next